The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Well, if you're new, welcome. My name is Ryan, and um, we, we've got time, fam. We've got some time today. Um, you're going to want to pull me down a little bit, Mark, just so you know uh, I'm feeling a little rowdy. And we, we are in the book of 1 John. We're in a series called Action Jackson. And Jackson just means God has been gracious. So this sermon series going verse by verse through the book of 1 John is how we are to walk in God's grace. And last week we captured most of chapter 1. And I just want to recap by reading some verses out of order. Um, and I know for some of you OCD people, you're like, you cannot do this. But I am, so sorry, not sorry. Um, verse 8 of chapter 1 says this, to recap last week. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves in the truth. Jesus is not in us. Verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So these are, these are ways to make God a liar. These are ways to find out if God is in us or not. And then verse 9, going back in the middle of that sandwich, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And today we're going to be going into chapter 2. But I need us to go into chapter 2 understanding that coming off the heels of last week, don't say that you have no sin in you. Don't say that you have not sinned. Rather, when you do sin, confess your sins. And we're going to walk through a a brief story before we jump into chapter 2, verse 1, but I'm going to pray first. Father, um, you are good. Your love endures forever. Lord, I pray and I ask in the name of Jesus that you would come down this morning and reveal sin within us that is there and, and purge us of that sin. Cleanse us from the brokenness in our lives. Make us whole humans that are wrapped up in you alone. Help us to behold the good news of Jesus in such a way that it changes our desires from the inside out. And God, help us to be honest with one another and ourselves. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, Amen. One of my favorite stories is in the book of John, the gospel, not these letters. If you're, if you're new, there's the gospel of John, which just says John in your Bible. And then there's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, just looks like 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. These are the epistles of John. But in, in the gospel of John, there's this story that, that I reference often because it's so impactful to me. And it's even one of these stories, it's not in all of the manuscripts of the Bible, but it has the, the feel and texture of Jesus. And, um, and sometimes we read Bible stories and we, we forget that it was a, something happening to somebody. So in this particular story... Um, a group of angry religious men, and they barge into a room, and there's a woman sleeping with a man, and they grab the woman, and they drag her out because she was committing adultery, and I don't know why they didn't get the man. It doesn't seem fair, but they, they grabbed the woman because they had a plan to trap Jesus in a spiritual dilemma, and, and I don't know if you've ever been dragged before, drugged before, or, or if it's happened recently. For me, recently, I've been pinch-hitting in the youth group uh, for the middle school and one of the high school groups here on, on Wednesday nights. And we play this game called Kajabi Can Can um, the last two weeks. Kajabi is an amazing game. You, you hold these ropes, and they're about a foot and a half long, and you form a circle around a trash can, like an tr- industrial trash can. And I play loud music, and I get pumped. And the goal of the game is to throw people into the trash can and not let go of the rope. If you hit the can, you're out. You let go of the rope, you're out. And I'm six foot six, and, um, and I've been a vegan for five days, so I've lost some weight. Um, not a real vegan. I mean, a real vegan, but it's like a temporary thing. 30 days just felt like doing it, okay? Um, 
But this is before my veganism set in. So I was like 6'6", 225 pounds of solid mass, twisted steel, and sex appeal, as my wife calls me at home. And, um, <laughs> and we're going around. That's not true. We're going around the can, and, and then you say, go. And then so you're like leaning. You can't yank it, but you just start throwing people. And I'm here with middle schoolers and high schoolers, so I'm like, this is the best. Just, I get all, it's free therapy for me, just aggression. Boom, <laughs> boom. But then as the circle's getting smaller and smaller, I'm realizing like, wait a second. Um, there's a football player here who is much larger than me. And I'm looking over at this kid, and I'm thinking, well, he's young. Like, he doesn't understand physics, um, but he wins the physics game. And it was only a matter of time before literally um, it's the two of us are, are left, me and this I don't know how many pounded football player in high school. And, and I'm not small. Like, I'm six foot six. I'm, I'm a grown man. I got man strength, you know. But the, the last thing that I really remember was um, I was flying through the air, <laughs> landing on my back, and this high school kid is just dragging me through the grass out here toward the can. And I'm like looking up like, do I just let go and quit? No way. And all that's around the perimeter are these teenagers Snapchatting this whole story. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm just helpless. I'm, I was totally helpless. Just a spoiler alert, I won because A, physics. Um, I waited till we were close. I planted. He touched the can. I was victorious. And he said, I'll have you in a year. And I was like, oh, macho, no, you won't. And I was like, yes, you will. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this sensation, I don't know if you felt that sensation before, because I was literally, there was a moment of panic. Like, I don't get thrown into the air very often. So there was a moment of panic where, like, here we go. And then when you're my age or older, you think, like, this is going to hurt tomorrow. And, and I, I was down. And, and, and I remember, like, just that, I, I, don't, I don't feel that very often, that sensation. Now, in the, that was the joking. This for a game. Like, imagine the serious side where people have taken you beyond your control. And for us, for, for that game, it was a matter of pride. But for this woman, as she's being drugged out, white-knuckled, gripped into her garments, throwing her down before Jesus, these men that are angry, some had picked up stones along the way to throw at her, gritting their teeth, and so upset at Jesus and using her as a tool to get to him. And they say, Jesus, Rabbi, the law says we should kill this woman for committing adultery. Obviously, no word of the man, off scot-free. What do you say? And they're trying to trick Jesus because Jesus was teaching this radical new way of forgiveness um, in him and this way that sin could be forgiven. And he was forgiving people, and they, they were trying to trick him into saying either let her go, which would mean that Jesus doesn't follow God's law, or say let's kill her, in which case the people would say maybe Jesus isn't about that. So Jesus did those things that we see in the movies. He, he knelt down and said he drew something in the sand. And I love it in all the movies, people try to make up what he drew. Like, he drew a Christian fish, or he drew this or that. I think he drew, I'm going to Boomtown. (laughs) And he stood up, and he said, let him without sin throw the first stone. And and I can only imagine, because we we find out later in the story that the woman didn't even see her accusers going, so she's cowering in fear with with tears and sweat and blood and, and her clothes being torn and twisted around her from being drug out here. So it doesn't even look. And Jesus said, whoever has no sin, cast the first stone. And it's always, I think, in my mind, it's the older people. Because when you've lived longer, you realize, I am a broken human. So I I just picture, like, there's the the one old man with the the beard, and and he's the first to say, well, I can't throw this. I've I've lived. And he drops it. And it's always the young, zealous, like, 20-something-year-olds that are, like, fresh in. They're like, yes, do it, la, la, la. But one by one, they started. And then maybe the young men said, well, my mentors both left. I should leave. And Jesus leans down and he says, woman, 
where, where are your accusers? And you can almost picture like the movie scene with the camera coming around and she just looking through, through her robe that's draped over her eyes and, and saying through tears and, and, and makeup run, they're not here. And he says, well, none condemn you, neither do I go and sin no more. This is a picture of today's story. That's a narrative story that, that we're going to look at a, a framework theologically of today. Because I don't like sin. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, John says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, sin is a very church word. It's a stained glass word. We all load into it what we think is sin. Um, at the core of what sin is, it's turning away from God in beliefs or actions and turning to something else to satisfy you, to give you a sense of worth, to give you a sense of acceptance, to give you a sense of value or security. It's saying what God says, maybe it's okay, but what I need today is really this thing. I don't need God. I need sexuality. I don't need God. I need money. I don't need God. I need other people to like me. Sin is exchanging truths about God for lies. And all of sin, whether it's Stealing, murdering, adultery, lust, addiction stems from a moment where we say, I don't believe that God is enough. I'm turning to something else. And John says, I'm writing these things to you. These things about God saving you. These things about being open with your sin. Don't say you have no sin. Don't say you are not sinning or you have not sinned. Be open and confess your sin. John wants us to do this so that we will not sin. Because God has wired the fabric of this universe in a certain way and sin has torn it and broken it and shattered it. And God says, I want you to live in the way that I've hardwired and created this universe to exist because that is the best path for human flourishing. But time and time again, God's people choose to deviate and to go a different direction. But the purpose is not to sin. And here's the thing. I know a lot of you in here. Some of you have sinned right now or are sinning by judging me. Bummer for you. Judging someone while they're preaching. But I also know myself. I've judged some of you while preaching. God's word, bummer for me. I don't like my sin. I hate my sin. I hate every time I turn away from God and try to use something else to satisfy me to get acceptance, approval, worth, or value. I hate it. But it, it creeps like a serpent. And that's why this next line of verse 1 is good. But, everyone say, but, if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if you sin, please, family, don't sin. If someone cuts you off going out of the parking lot and you sin, we have an advocate. It is Jesus Christ who stands in the gap and says, mine, I have paid for them in full. They are my family. I have wiped away their record of bad. I've given them my report card of perfection. They're mine. And it says that Jesus steps into the gap every time we sin. My, I beg of you, don't sin. If you do sin, look and remember Jesus. And it's so easy to get out of that habit. It's so easy to beat ourselves up for sin. It's so easy to wallow in shame and forget that Jesus is our advocate. If you are in Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, and we're going to answer some of this question, how do you know you're in Jesus later in this passage, 
then you are 100% loved by God. You cannot be loved by God less than you are right now, and you can't be loved by God more than you are right now because he loves you with all of his might because you are in Jesus. This is what it means to have an advocate, someone who says, mine, I have cleansed and paid for you. Because some of you I know, you'll think this. You'll do something atrocious on Saturday or Sunday. Maybe you skip church on Sunday, so it's not you. You can blame someone else. And then this week, you get an overdraft in your checking account. Your tire blows out in your car. And you think, I should have gone to church. Or I shouldn't have been mean to this person. This is why I overdrafted in my bank and my tire blew out. Or maybe you're just terrible with finances and you should have checked your tires. Could be that. It's, I don't think that a lot of the things we attribute to God as punishing us are God at all. Now, God does discipline his children because he says, you're going off the cliff. I'm trying to keep you going this direction, so I'm going to bring you this way. When my kids are running into the parking lot and there's a car coming, I don't gently say, Jackson, watch out. There's a car. No, I grab him like a javelin and throw him to safety because it's a father who cares for his son. And this is what God does with us. Do not sin, but if you do sin, Jesus is there. And then it says he is the propitiation for our sins. If you're a Bible nerd, you love words like this, propitiation. If you're a regular human who just drinks coffee, you're like, what is that word for? It means, and I have to use another big, the the expiation, the removal of, the atoning sacrifice for all of the things that we have done against God, away from God. Jesus said, I'm going to come in and I see everything you've done. I'm going to pay the debt that was owed for that. But not only that, I'm going to give you all of the perfection that I lived so that now when you stand before God, all he sees when he sees you is my record upon you, my clothing, my spirit, my perfection, my report card, whatever sticks in your brain the most. Jesus, the advocate. So, he has died for not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. It's, it's good to remember that song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved wretched people like all of you, right? Not me. Or isn't that how we act sometimes, though? But if we sang it that way, it wouldn't sound right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved wretches like my neighbors and coworkers and boss. It we, we act like that, but we don't sing like that because the song wouldn't make sense. Do you see your need for Christ? Do you, do you hide behind Jesus? Is he your advocate? Is he the one whose record you point to? Or do you try to point to your own record? Because it's very common for people to say, but I'm a, I'm a good person. And it's very easy for me to say, well, are you really? Like, how good are you? Like, on a scale of one to ten commandments, what's your grade? Because God doesn't grade, like my, my philosophy in high school was like, D's get degrees, baby. God's not like, you got six? I'm letting you in. Done. No. He's, people in here have lied in the last week, I'm sure. Anyone here covet, wanted something that's not yours to sort of satisfy something in your life? I mean, some of us covet literally while we're here. I'm, a, I'm not a guitar player. I'm like a guitar hack, like I beat on the guitars. And these guys that play their guitars, they're like, check this out. I got this pedal and this guitar. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds so good. I want one of those. All of a sudden, I'm here. I'm worshiping. Great are you, guitar. It's your tune in my ears that I want at home. I mean, I'm just coveting. Wow. And some of you are like, well, I don't covet. I'm not as sinful as you, Pastor. Okay, that's fine. I mean, I've seen 
well, we all drive. Why, well, continuation of last week's story, my wife and I got an SUV. So we get to continue to judge all of you minivan cavens. I'm judging you. Like, we got the SUV. Stinks to be you. I can still pretend to be cool with diaper bags on my shoulder. <laughs> I'm not, and he spit up on me. Is Corey back? You got to go, man. You're making me panic. <sighs> Whoever knows him, here's, here's how you know. If you want to know if you're in Jesus. And by this we have come to know him. I mean, by this we know that we have come to know. If you're saying, am I a Christian? Do I believe in Jesus? Am I saved? Here's how you can know that you know Jesus. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know, we may know, be sure, we we may be certain that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, there's something we have to clarify here about this, because this is not saying that you are going to be exactly like Jesus. But it is saying that God will give you the power to walk and live like Jesus. And there's a myth that we have to dispel. Um, so many people think that spiritual growth happens like this. And if you're exploring today, if you're not yet in the, the family of God with us, just, just track with me. So people come to Jesus and they say, generally, and I know this isn't a correct word, you get gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder and gooder. Bing! And you get your heaven thing. But that's not how spiritual life really works. That's not how spiritual growth works. You come to know Jesus, amazing grace, who saved a wretch like me because some pastor said, have you lied? Have you killed? Have you stolen? Have you whatever you've done? You say, yes, I need Jesus. And it's Billy Graham or whatever. You raise your hand. And, and then all of a sudden, as you become a Christian, you realize, wait a second, God is way more holy than I first thought. And I'm more wretched than I ever knew. I turn to everything that is not Jesus to try to satisfy me. I'm turning to money. I'm turning to all these things and identity and security that are not God. I need God. So all of a sudden, spiritual growth really looks like this. You get saved, and you start tracking. Sorry, splash zone. Because you'll do great. You're like in a Bible study. Everything's amazing. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Like it's just a, a slight adjustment of aim, but it's just like when you're... You're shooting down range. If, if you shoot just a little bit off, the further you walk, the further away you are from the target. It's just the degrees. It's a game of angles. And all of a sudden, you find yourself where once you were doing great and you're like reading the Bible every day, you just felt like Jesus walked with you when you were like walking on a sidewalk. You're, I stand over here because Jesus is with me. It was like that good. And then all of a sudden, you're here and you're just in these addictions. And you're, you're no longer finding joy in God. You look around at people singing on a Sunday and you think, I, I don't have that. And I used to have that. I want that. Because uh, spiritual growth happens. But, but the purpose of this text is to show us that if you are truly in Christ, there is a trajectory of growth. There is a trajectory of obeying commandments. The things that I do struggle with now, I, I did not struggle with then. Like God is, or things I struggle with then, I don't struggle with now. It's very different. When I came to know Jesus as a young adult, the very first things I said, what do I do uh, as a new Christian? And I've told you this a hundred times. The pastor said, well, step one. Don't watch rated R movies. And this is like when the Matrix is coming out. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to lie to you and go see it. And then step two, get rid of secular music. I didn't even know that there was a different thing, secular and Christian music. I didn't know God died for CDs, okay? Um, And then step three, literally, they said, like, you can't have sex. And then the youth group was doing a Bible study called I Kissed Dating Goodbye. So I had just come out of this, like, 
rated R movie, Metallica-loving, sex-pursuing, drunken lifestyle. And I'm thinking, like, what do these people do for fun, these Jesus people? And, and as I begin to learn, there's, there's these things. I'm like, okay, I, c- I can do this. And not only did it like, not have sex, but literally they said, we're kissing dating goodbye. And I'm like, I came here because I wanted a date. This is why I came to church. And now you're telling me you guys are raising up a bunch of females that are going to say no to dating? What kind of cult is this? Anyway, that's a whole, that's my baggage I need therapy for, okay? But, but as I'm walking through this, I'm, I'm learning, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to turn to, to sexuality to get some sense of pleasure because I can be content in what God has given me. I don't have to act as like the hard person who's tough, you know, because I, I, that guy, and only guys might get this, but there's this thing that guys do when we're younger, and if you didn't do this as a guy, then you're just not my DNA of guys, but literally, um, if you did this, just say amen with me. Walk into a room and literally size up everyone you could beat up in the room. That's only me. Yeah, right, right. Some of the guys are like, oh, amen, still did it today, and, and just know, like, I already sized you all up. And I can read a book fast. You know, that's where I'm at now. I'll outread you. But some of you are scary monsters. I mean, just huge. But we do it. My identity is how strong I am. And right now, I alluded to this earlier, I've been a vegan for five days, really like uh, 4.9, because I was choking during the first service and I needed something to drink. So I grabbed a stranger's coffee and drank it. And I was like, there's milk in here. So I already broke my veganism. But I'm doing this 30-day trial. It's not because I'm like some hippie that loves like animals, like keep the animals alive. I'm like, no, make bacon. Bacon's good. Um, I just woke up one day and thought, I want something that's difficult, and I'm going to be a vegan because it's dumb. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm really having a good time with it. And, and as, I'm, as I'm doing it, though, I'm, I'm, realizing, um, I'm realizing this amazingly weird thing. Like, A, that joke is really true. Like, if, um, what do they say, if a vegan... Or how do you know if a vegan and an atheist and a crossfitter walk into a bar? Well, everyone knows because they've told everyone already. Because that's how it is. And I've been a vegan for five days, and I'm like already posting like on Instagram, like, vegan day four. And like I'm going to be posting on day 29, like, starving, kill me. You know, um, <laughs> but, but in, in, this, in this rhythm of like keeping things, it is very difficult to, to stay a strict vegan when you're known for like on a monthly, if not weekly basis, I get like bacon tchotchkes. Yesterday at Bible study, somebody gave me bacon hot sauce because I'm the bacon guy. Father's Day is coming up. We do bacon fest where I just order like 70 pounds of bacon and we just give it away because I can. And now I'm like, and I'm, I'm vegan. And it, it, it's hard to keep the rules because I'm, I'm reading things now. Oh, I got to read all these packages. It's weird. May contain this. May contain milk. And they, they sneak milk and butter into everything. So I'm going to these restaurants and I'm that guy now. We, my wife and I just took a quick 24-hour trip to Jacksonville, St. Augustine and back to see a friend. And we're at every restaurant and, and, and my wife's pregnant. She's not as, as pregnant as Corey's wife is right now. <coughs> and um, and uh, uh, so, so, so on the re- in the restaurants, I'd be like, oh, do you, you know, do you have any vegan options? And I was a server. I know how it is. Like when someone says, do you have any vegan options? You're like, oh, great, one of these guys, like a hippie, oat-eating, like vegetable-loving person. And I'm like, but I'm just a temporary vegan, you know? Like, don't judge me. And my wife's over here pregnant. She's like, uh, 
I want the crispy pork belly on top of the apple butter home-baked biscuit with like all of this is just pork, pork, pork. Every meal, she's like, ooh, I got this burger. Ooh, I got this pork. And I'm over here like, yummy sprouts. <laughs> it was hard. It, and there's this constant comparison. And we, we do this in, in spiritual life. We say, well, I'm not as bad as Joe Schmo. I'm not sinning like they're sinning, so God will still take me in. That's not the point. The point is, are you on a trajectory of good? Are you on a trajectory of moving toward God, obeying more of his commandments? Hopefully by the time I'm on day 29, I'll have this whole vegan thing down so I can quit on day 31. Don't ever quit doing Jesus. Metaphor breaks. But it's difficult learning and watching and growing right now and the things that I'm researching. And it's going to take harder work for someone to follow Jesus than it will to be a vegan because following Jesus implies that we have to be honest and open about our struggles and sin that we have in our lives or that we have done or that we are tempted to do. But if you want to know that you're in him, look at your trajectory. If your trajectory is not moving upward, it's, it's worth saying in a sobering way, Maybe I've just been mouthing this and it's not a reality for me. Maybe God is not in me because if we confess our sins, it says he is faithful and just to forgive us. But not only that, he, his work in us is that he comes in us and he cleanses us. So if we're not getting cleansed as time goes on, it may be that he's not in us. And you may be thinking, well, I don't... Can you give me an example of like what cleansed is? God, God is so gracious. He will only deal with a couple of your sins at one time. Because if he just said, here's everything, we would just fetal position down. But he took me, for example, when I was young and said, okay, like something's got to change in your attitude and, t- and toward how you view, you view women and, and sexuality. I'm like, okay, I, I'll learn that. And now, okay, how, how do you view money? Like that's, that's a hard one because in, in our culture, it's like get, get, get. And the more I have, the more I can buy stuff that makes me look like I have as, as much money as I want to have. I mean, we've got so many, especially in this area, you know, I call them uh, $40,000 millionaires. Like people that, that make like 45 grand a year and they're driving around a BMW because they leased it and they're literally like living on nothing. And if that's you, like don't, don't I'm not knocking you. I'm just saying there's a better way. You don't have to have the BMW. Join my club. Get a Jetta and be the envy of 15-year-old girls everywhere. Because I'm still prideful about the SUV thing. It's, it's a ridiculous cycle. But, but is God cleansing? Is God saying, this is, this is darkness, I'm going to put light here, because God is light. This is an area where you're following, not me, so I'm going to put light here so you can see how to walk clearly there. This is what God does in us. It's not about you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not about you saying, I will never do this sin, fill in the blank, again. No, it's about you saying, God, I, I need help. I'm going to confess. I need to be cleansed. There's something that I've gotten in trouble for saying many, many times. I tell people often, especially in dealing with um, sexual sin addiction or, or something where the, the sin is present in front of their eyes, I say, when you're about to sin next time, I want you to say this out loud and proud. I don't care where you are, Park Square, Beach, wherever you are, I want you to say, Jesus, out loud, thank you for dying for the sin that I'm about to commit, the sin that my heart is running toward. Thank you for dying for that sin right now whether you're saying it to your phone or your computer screen or at the beach where these girls wear things called swimsuits but it looks like they got in a fight with a rubber band and lost. Whatever it is for you, just pressing in and saying, Jesus, thank you for dying. And you may be the crazy person. You may be cruising down Clearwater Beach being, thank you, Jesus, for dying for the sin that I'm about to commit. Because the other side of it is you read an inspirational book about, you know, how do men deal with lust or women deal with lust? And one of the texts is bounce your eyes. Like, seriously, bounce your eyes? 
this guy must have grown up in Ohio. Because bouncing your eyes at a being a beach culture, I've only lived in beach culture, San Diego, Hawaii, and here. If you bounce your eyes every time you're tempted to lust, you're going to look ridiculous, like the bobblehead I have on my bookshelf. People are like, what's wrong? I'm bouncing my eyes. I'm bouncing my eyes. How about instead you just proclaim Jesus' victory because here's what's going to happen. You're going to say, well, if I say that, then I'm not going to sin. I'm like, yeah, dummy. That's the point. Don't sin. You preach the good news of Jesus into the face of your sin because when you sin, but if you sin, we have an advocate, Jesus, who steps in the gap and says, God, I've paid for him. I've paid the price. We've swapped report cards. I died for the sin. He gets my perfection. He blew it again, but he's in me. So let's strengthen him and give him strength to walk forward. Or we can just play the game of making false promises to God, saying, I will change. I'm going to put this in my past, rather than saying, I'm going to move forward in God and cling to him, and I'm going to be open about where I'm at with him so that others can walk with me. Because whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. All sin boils down. All of God's commandments, over 600 commandments in the Old Testament, every one of the commandments is summed up by Jesus as this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every sin we do is us breaking that one first. You've not done any sin before you've broken that one. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, take that as a unit if you've stolen from somebody. You've not loved someone else as yourself. You've not loved God and trusting his provision. You've not loved them and and honored them and what God has given them. Instead, you said, I'm taking this for me. You've loved yourself more. Obviously, murder is a clear-cut one. I don't, I don't love the way you're behaving, so I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to, let's bring it down to suburban terms, I'm going to gossip about you, I'm going to Facebook post about you, I'm going to backdoor communicate about you, because I don't like the way you're doing this. Instead of bringing things to the light, you're not loving God and others, you're, you're loving yourself and wanting your own way fighting with your spouse, yelling at your kids, hiding money, stealing money, cheating on your taxes, all of those things that we would say are sins, and they are sin, they come through the funnel of first having forgotten love for God and your neighbor. But if you live with God, if God is in you, then you will do these things. And don't get this backwards. It's not if you are good, then God will love you. It's God has loved you with all of his son so that now you can do good. And if you are on this trajectory of keeping his word, the love of God is going to be slowly perfected in you. That's why the Bible calls it being born again. It's like a new birth, Corey. (laughs) I hope Danielle watches this so much. I'm going to send it to her. Don't hit stop on that camera. (laughs) New birth, because when a baby's born, You don't expect the baby to start doing chores. Um, But when they're nine, they better be doing some chores. When you're a nine-year-old follower of Jesus, you should be probably changing. You shouldn't be acting the same way that you did when you were two. When, when you're 10 years into Jesus, when you're 12 years into Jesus, and, and, don't, and you might say, well, maybe that's not me, that's not my style, and I get you. Let's put it back to the analogy. Um, I popped out of the womb tall. My mom's here. She can verify it. When I was born, I was six foot three. Give or take a couple of feet. My middle brother, super small kid. I mean, still to this day, I mean, he's like bigger than me because he's an Army Ranger, but he's short. And like, 
when I, we were at the age where he's about like eight years old, I had to do all the dishes because we had high cupboards. So, and I was tall. You know, put the dishes away. I'm like, Mom, Trent never does the dishes. And he'd be like, it's because I can't reach. You know, he was that kid. We represent the Lollipop Guild. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was him. Just couldn't reach. And he kept milking it and milking it and milking it to this day. And my, my mom and I were joking the other day, like, I, I just grew up in a different era. Like, I, I stayed homesick from school. My mom didn't believe me. She's like, there's 30 loads of laundry to do, give or take. But not really. There's like 10 loads of laundry to do. It should all be folded and in the places where it belongs when I'm home from work. And I'm nine. I don't think my little brother could do that challenge today. Because I was there. I was the older brother. I was doing the stuff. And, and sometimes we'll, we will all be bad at different things. But we should learn to be a family together that carry each other along and say, I'm going to teach you how to fold. Make sure the metaphor is not being missed here. I'm going to teach you how to, to stop doing this broken pattern of looking to money or clinging to this or, or doing this for your success or, or thinking your relationship or your car will give you some sense of fulfillment. It only does, but for three minutes. Instead, walking with somebody. But here's the thing. You've got to walk with somebody. Christianity is not a solo sport. It's not a snowboarding down a mountain and God is watching you like it's sunshine. It's a gritty family gathering. And sometimes it is hard. And you've got to learn to walk with people. It, when, when kids walk for the first time, you, we, we all have, there's the, this is the second kid that's born in a month, and there's probably two or three more that are going to be born soon. And I love it because I get to see all these babies. And I love babies because they're just a paradox of gravity waiting to harm them and give them concussions. They've got these huge heads and little bodies. And it's the same story. Every time all three of my kids have walked, they start with the, the table, and then you do the hands, and you do the one hand, and then they walk, and then we cheer like it's the first time we've ever seen a human walk. Some of us need to cheer on younger believers that way, that just come to know Jesus, instead of trying to treat them like they've been walking with Christ for 30 years. We need to be like, ah, oh, they fell down. Let me put this in real world perspective. Someone comes to Jesus and said they get just totally drunk. A week later, you see them at some Bible say they're drunk, or some gathering at some brewery, like Levin Brewery. There's a bunch of people wearing Levin Brewery shirts here today. And then they get drunk. Oh, man, they're drunk. Usually, here's what we do. I can't believe you do this. God does not want you to get drunk. Imagine if a baby was born and they pooped in their diaper. Are you like, baby, why did you poop in your newborn-sized pamper? Clean yourself up. Because the baby would be like, wah. What do we do? You pick up the baby. You wipe the baby's butt. You change the baby's diaper. But for some reason, we don't do that in Christianity. We expect people to be born again and then 30-year-old mature Christians. Instead of saying, no, 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 you messed up. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to get you home. And we're going we're gonna to strengthen ourselves in Christ. We're going to look at why God teaches us to do this, why this thing will break your life down in the long run, how this deteriorates healthy relationships, healthy giving, healthy view of finances, healthy view of pleasure, whatever it is. And we're going to walk with you, but you've got to have someone with you. If you're trying to do this by yourself, it's not going to work. We were never created to do this by ourselves. God himself is three in one. He didn't create us to walk one by one. We are to be together so that when we fall, and we will fall, and I don't mean like we will as in just the younger of us. Every one of us in here will need someone to grab us by the arm from time to time and say, I'm here with you. I've got you. We've, we fell into this mess, but we can get out because God, Jesus, is our, he's our advocate. He stands in the gap. So God already loves you, but I can carry you. We're, I'm going to carry you through. And some of us, we might need more than one person to carry you. 
So some of us might need five people to lift us up because we might be sitting like a dead, limp person on the ground and, and we just have fallen so hard. We need, we need more people to come and carry us. What is your trajectory? Where are you with Jesus today? Because whoever has the Son has life, and whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I want you all to have life today. I want you all to understand that, that your good works and obedience to God's commandments, they don't earn God's love. They're a result of God's love being fallen upon you and you embracing it. Is that going to be you, or are you going to continue to walk alone and try to hide sins and addictions and try to keep things that were in the past in the past and not move forward with people? I promise you one way leads to life and one way does not. And that's something that you need to deal with, with the circle that God has put around you. And if you don't have a circle, we'll get a circle for you. If you're like, I don't know where I can connect with somebody, we can connect with you. You can come to Cool Beans. You can meet here on Monday nights. You can meet in Riverview on Tuesday nights. You can meet in a different place in Riverview on, on Wednesday nights or Panera. We just, we'll meet and we'll get new leaders if you need new leaders. If you're like, I can't do any of those nights, I'll find a night. I, I'm here to shepherd and care for people. Not to just preach and then go home and hide with books for a week. To care and to love and to pray and to connect. And we have a team of people who we're building up to do this so that we don't have to be alone. So where, where will you walk this week? Let's pray. Father, it's, um, it's amazing to me that you would love us the way that you do. It's amazing to me that, that you would give us such grace and mercy in the way that you have. Lord, it's amazing to me that, that, that you see us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that all we do is confess, and then you save us and forgive us and cleanse us. Lord, help us to never rely on our own power, but always to rely on yours. Help us never to play the religious game of earning your love, but always to remember that your love was earned on the cross by Jesus. Lord, I pray for those in here who are wondering if they're your children today, that you would not just give them assurance from my words, but have them examine their life, examine their heart and love for you, and reveal to them where they stand. God, do that with all of us. Shine a light into all of our hearts this morning so that we can see where you are casting out darkness. I love you. I thank you for the way you've loved me. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said.